Well, I hope you had a great week and I hope that you were able to uh, work with the emotion of anger a little bit last week. We're going to move forward now on to looking at um, different kinds of emotions that can cause us psychological stress. And uh, as I said, the reason being is that once we're equipped with this information, not only can we help ourselves, but we can help other people to fast track this process. Because really when, when we're able to get a handle on how it is that we want to move towards our goals quickly and effectively as a couple, um, then we're able to be able to um, put it in the, its true perspective. So that yes, there are going to be some stressful situations when we're dealing with our goals. Um, but once we understand how it is that we deal with these, um, then we're able to move through them quite quickly. So the DISC profile is something that was developed by a gentleman named Marsden, but it stems right back to um, a philosopher called Hippocrates. And Hippocrates realised that everybody reacts and responds in behavioural patterns different based on what environment they place themselves. So let's have a think. We've got a cave party and we're going to a cave party or we're hosting a cave party. Can you imagine if you're surrounded by a whole group of people that you know that you've invited, you tend to behave a little bit differently than if you are going to somewhere where you don't know anybody or you might know just one or two people. And so I think it's fair to acknowledge the fact that we behave in different ways based on the environment we place ourselves. So does it also make sense that when we're placed under psychological stress, we may behave in a different way than when we're experiencing just joy and happiness on a relaxed Sunday afternoon. And so when we start to understand um, that some people, if we think of a north-south axis, are more outgoing in the way that they process emotion, compared to other people who are more reserved in nature of how they process emotion. So outgoing might be somebody who says what they think, um, they have a thought and it actually just comes out their mouth, so there isn't a huge filter between what they're thinking and what they're saying. Based then on reserved being I'll have a thought and there's such a large filter between what I'm thinking and what I'm saying is that I have a reserved nature and I'll tell you what that thought was next Wednesday whilst I sit on it and I ponder it and see how it feels. And we've all experienced leaders that are very reserved in nature that say, yeah, I had a hunch about that. I knew that that was going to turn sour. And some of us that are more outgoing say, why didn't you say anything? Oh, I just wanted to see if I was right or not. So reserved in nature um, can sometimes mean that those filters can block us from moving forward and honouring the feeling that we have. In fact, we call that a little bit, you know, of, of having a little bit of gut intuition. And leaders that have a lot more gut intuition um, that have obviously shared that gut intuition quite regularly and heard negative responses from that will shut that down. And what we want to encourage is that during periods of psychological stress, if you're more intuitive to really honour what it is that's coming up for you in that moment because that's generally what's going to get you to the next lesson even faster. And if you're more outgoing and you think that you need to say that to that person then you trust that and you honour it, well then you're likely to go to the next lesson even faster. What I find however is with couples they tend to attract the opposite. And so someone who's more outgoing will attract someone who's more intuitive. And so if we're constantly surveying the other person and judging that person to say, well, you should have said something, you should have spoken up because that person's now 
going to victimise you or they're going to attack you the next time you are confronting them. Alternatively, the more intuitive says if you just kept your mouth shut, nothing would have happened. It all would have blown over, but now you've got yourself an issue. So I hope that makes sense in terms of with our behaviour, um, if we're not honouring who we are, then we're not being true to ourselves, we're not being authentic. And that is really where psychological stress begins. So let's have a look at then the east-west axes. When we think about ourselves in terms of behaviour, we tend either to be task oriented, meaning we just want to get the job done, or we tend to be people focused, meaning we care what others think about us. And so when we actually have a look and, and um, put these four elements into practice, we get quadrants of a box. And so in the top left-hand quadrant, we've got someone who's outgoing in their thinking and task focused. Now, if someone's outgoing in their thinking and task focused, do you think they care too much about what other people think and, and building a big filter around, you know, um, worrying about what people will react and respond? I don't think so. They tend um, to be quite dominant um, within their personalities. They tend to tell lots of people their opinions. They're very visionary. They have clear focus on where they're going and they don't let people get in their way. They generally get to where they're headed. Okay, the challenge can be is that the emotion underlying a dominant personality is anger. And so they don't seem to have as much patience as some of the other um, profiles that are a lot more grounded or reserved in nature. And so therefore the businesses that they build don't necessarily have a great deal of foundation. And so it's like building a large column and when that person walks away, that business can then fall. Okay, so if they're not there to lead and to create the vision for people and to empower and top people up all of the time, then they don't necessarily have a business that is sustainable. Let's have a think then about the top right hand. So we've got people that are outgoing in nature, but are very, very people oriented. So they care a lot about what other people think about them. And we call these people the influencers. Now the emotion underlying an influencer is optimism. And so when they're experiencing psychological stress, they will almost go to the perfect extreme of what is possible to happen. So, oh, it'll be fine. Everything will, you know, burn away. That argument will go. We'll be best friends forever. It was a great test for us. In fact, I really feel like it was the perfect thing that could have happened. Optimism underneath as an emotion is a very, very strong emotion. You mix that though with a partner that you might be attracted to as very dominant and they can get angry at the naivety of optimism. Okay, so that optimism can spark the emotion of anger. So when we're dealing as a couple in business, what's important is to recognise what is our behavioural tendency when under stress. And I'm sure you'll all recognise the people that are more the jokers, that, um, that can create humour from huge amounts of psychological stress. I have a girlfriend who's the psychologist um, for the uh, emergency services, so definitely with the AMBOs. And she said that the amount of um, humour that is dealt with um, through crisis management is incredible. In fact, that's the way that they would process those huge traumatic events that they need to go to, whether they're first on the scene to car accidents or, or all sorts of different um, activities. And it had a huge knock-on effect to her because she's a lot more reserved in nature and cares a lot what people think, which is our next one, which is our stable personalities. And they tend, when under pressure, to show no emotion at all. 
So the emotion underneath a stable person is non-emotion. So very, very handy to have in stressful situations because they just keep a poker face, which protects them and acknowledges the fact that they can handle more and more information. And yet what this girl found was that she ended up on, um, on medication to be able to process a lot of that psychological stress that she was getting from these um, ambulance officers because they were dealing in very outgoing ways around psychological stress. So once again, it's realizing that as you experience stress and then you process the stress, you will have a ripple effect to those people that are around you based on their underlying emotions of stress and how their behavioral patterns are. And so that's where I think it starts to get more and more exciting as we start to be more accountable for ourselves is what is appropriate and what's not appropriate in terms of dealing with our psychological stress. So let's have a look at the stable um, personalities. By having non-emotion and being very people reserved, they care more for the people that are close, um, you know, based on their team and their family members, for example. And they're more reserved in nature and more intuitive so that if they follow that gut intuition, they tend to be able to um, get through a lot of conflicts without a lot of outward expression, but it's the internal processes that could cause the greatest threat in the long term. Okay, so whether or not that be heart disease or cancer or, um, you know, the energy's got to go somewhere, the energy in motion. So if you tend to be more of a stable personality, then it's important to be able to ground that energy, whether or not that's by walking in nature, um, getting perspective through doing some yoga or some Tai Chi or some meditation or something like that, and being able to um, actively work with other people that are good at processing anger or psychological stress to be able to draw out the emotion to press those buttons to get that popping experience we talked about last week. So if you have a spouse that is a lot more stable in personality that will be their primary one but everyone has their secondary ones. You might need to go to their secondary emotion to be able to draw, draw that out. And the fourth one, if we look at that bottom left-hand quadrant, we've got somebody who's very task-oriented and reserved in nature. And their underlying emotion is fear. Okay, so we call that person compliant. And the reason um, compliance is um, very important here is perfectionist is definitely the, the goal for somebody who's compliant. They're task-oriented and reserved, therefore they are able to do tasks to a high level of competence over periods of years and years and years. So if you think of engineers or accountants, would you necessarily want them um, to be the type of um, outgoing people-oriented, you know, high eye Accountants and engineers are very rare when it comes to actually doing the work. They may well lead the organization or the company, but they um, don't necessarily sit in front of a computer all day, every day, and, um, and process work because that is out of their behavioral nature. So if you're forcing yourself um, to do each of these different tasks, that can also bring up psychological stress. And what I love about the DISC profiling system is that it teaches us how congruent we are. And so you answer a little battery test, which is only um, 24 questions, but from that 10 minute process, we can actually tell you whether or not you're congruent based on what your behavioral profiling is. And um, what I've found with couples is that um, our energies need to work together towards our goal. So aligning that is very, very important when we're wanting to get to the next level. 
And so the next level of what? Well, for me, the next level is always experiencing less psychological stress. Because if we're thinking about gaining more wisdom within business, wisdom is literally, if you talk to someone who's wise and you tell them your problems, they don't have any reaction. They say, oh wow, that's interesting. And they just are calm and relaxed because they're waiting to be asked a question or they're waiting for you to ask for help. And that's really what I think when we're dealing with the emotions within the profiles, we understand that an optimistic person needs to be optimistic to process the psychological stress. And until they ask for an opinion or ask for help, then they're right on track exactly where they need to be to get to where they're going. Someone who is experiencing non-emotion needs to experience non-emotion for a period of time until they realise that the result of not experiencing that emotion is keeping them stagnant or where they need to be and not getting them necessarily the result. And so, you know, what's important is they get to into a comfortable place where they can put themselves so that somebody can draw out of them to say, do you need some help? Could we offer you some help? Could we give you a hand here? And, you know, and then be strong enough so that when that resistance comes up that you can just be able to reach out that hand again to be able to say, we're here to help if you'd like some help. And if they take your hand, they take your hand. If they don't take your hand, then they're not ready. And so everybody is ready when they're ready. So as a couple, what's important is to help each other through this process to be able to ask better questions or more appropriate questions based on the emotion. So knowing that you're experiencing this anger, is there something that I can do to help you to achieve your result? And be ready for a barrage of solutions that you can definitely move towards to be able to decrease that psychological stress. So if you're not willing to then provide that solution, then don't ask the question if you're dealing with a high D person. If there's a high I who's normally quite optimistic, who is, um, you know, is feeling a lot of psychological stress, then just listening to them and being there as a support person might just gain that clarity because they thrive on what other people think. And so it's important to be that person who's just open and accepting of wherever they're at. Alternatively, somebody who's fear-driven, if you press on that button of fear to be able to get them to move forward, um, through that psychological stress, then be prepared to have that ripple effect if that's, if that's what may happen of that hooking happening, of them hooking into your fears and then that fear even um, you know, expanding. So it's very important that if, um, if you are dealing with somebody within a team or somebody within your family that experiences um, perfectionist or compliant energy is to say, look, what's the worst that can possibly happen? Let's say you did fail and it didn't go ahead. What's the worst that can happen? You're going to be where you are right now. So let's step out and try this one or two thing and then come back to me and tell me what that felt like. And realise that um, that nature is a protective nature. It's there for a reason. And every great team has a combination of all of these emotions. It would be crazy to have a whole team of dominant emotion. Imagine that would be a very, very angry competitive team. Alternatively, if you had an entire team of non-emotion stable people, there wouldn't necessarily be a lot of activity happening or energy around that business to create 
the drive that is um, needing to stay competitive within the market. So therefore, what are the ratios that we are looking for? And within a family or within a relationship, we're just looking for balance. Okay, there's going to come a time where somebody's going to have to make a task-based decision and there's certainly going to be a time where we need to make people-based decisions. And so because we would have different values, what's important is that we honour our own values. And so we're stepping up as opposed to stepping out or stepping back or stepping down. And so all you can ever do is honour that sense for yourself to be able to move through that psychological stress to get to your own solution. And that solution might be different than your partner's solution. And so once again, we need to stop surveying and we need to start empowering ourselves to be able to trust that we're getting taken to the next lesson that we need to be taken to. And so, yes, did it take a while for us to have a certain level of competence around this? Absolutely. In fact, if we look at that learning curve, um, uh, which is a stepping process of, you know, we don't know what we don't know. When we first start out, we're completely um, conscious, unconsciously incompetent is what we talk about. So when we're young, we don't know that we can't drive a car. We don't think about it when we realize, oh, there's a car and there's a gear stick and I don't know how to drive it, now we're consciously incompetent. Okay, now we're in a learning phase. That's no different for where we're at right now around dealing with psychological stress. I didn't know that this was an issue that I'd ever even need to specialize in. I certainly didn't know it even existed. I certainly didn't even know I had a challenge with um, dealing with my own anger management and wanting to control others until I started businesses that relied upon me to be able to deal with people. And then I realized that lots of people don't have effective strategies to be able to take themselves through psychological stress and they would withdraw and not ever put themselves under any pressure ever again. And I would say that I started to judge a lot of people that couldn't set goals and that weren't able to be able to say, well, this is what I want and I'm going to move towards it. Because as soon as they had said that, um, you know, they wanted to achieve something and then I witnessed the fact that they would walk away from that challenge and that they wouldn't achieve that challenge, I would think them weak because of my dominant optimistic nature. If they experienced fear or non-emotion around it, well then the natural instinct that I would have was that's cowardly or that's um, childish or, or that's something that you know they weren't willing to be able to put into action and that set me off onto a tangent of what I want to talk about which was then putting myself in a box where I was no longer seeing people as human I was starting to see people as objects and as soon as I started to do that it started to start I guess a judgmental process or um, a process that started to distance me from others and uh, and that was certainly something that if I could stop you from um, from going through that process would save you a huge amount of time and certainly um, a huge amount of energy as well and so in the book The Anatomy of Peace they talk about this um, there's different boxes that we can self justify once we stop seeing people as um, as human and we start blocking people into categories. Okay, now disc profiling is a fabulous example of that, is when I learnt disc profiling and uh, with a background as a psychologist, I understand that profiling is used to describe us, not to define us. And it used to make me irate that people would say, oh, what are you? And I'd say, what do you mean? They'd say, well, what are you, a D? You're a D. 
Oh, all D's can't, you know, la 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 la. All I's just want to have a party. They're not willing to actually do any detail. And so it would bring up, because my emotional um, energy was anger, it would bring up anger. Um, and so I started to realize that as I was working with a lot of other entrepreneurs, they were starting to label huge groups of people and dehumanize them because they weren't seeing me as Kate, they were seeing me as a high D or a high I or you know a sanguine or a ENFJ in the Myers-Briggs or they were seeing me as um, a choleric nature or whatever it is, is the profile that you've done, a star profile in the wealth dynamics, whatever it is, is we started to realize that you start to dehumanize people when you put them into blocks. It's a bit like saying all accountants are boring or all engineers are um, you know a high C's or um, all hospitality people are ditzy or all hairdressers are stupid or whatever it is once you start to dehumanize and put people into categories or boxes now you've gone into self-justification to keep yourself there because you're seeing people as objects and as soon as you're seeing people as objects then you betray what your natural instinct is for that person and you go into justification. So the boxes that they talk about, the first one is an I deserve box. Well I deserve a certain amount of this because I've achieved that. And that's um, a very dangerous um, box to be in because there's emotions underlying each of these as well. So let's have a, have a think about the feelings that can happen. We can become depressed, we can become bitter, we can become justified or we can become angry. Um, so a lot of the emotions underneath there are caused because our view of the world, if we feel we deserve something, is unfair. It might be unjust, it might be burdensome or you know, it might be against me. So therefore, what happens, our, our view of ourself is, well, then I'm better than that. So therefore, I expect a certain thing. And if I see somebody who's knocking up against that, then they don't deserve to get my attention or, you know, they should know better or, well, they're not willing to do the work. So therefore, I judge them or, or what have you. And we box ourselves in to justify the fact of where we're sitting. And there's a few of these boxes. There's a, um, a worse than box, people who put themselves into a box that um, says that, well, you know what, I'm not okay, but everyone else seems to be doing okay. And we justify the fact that we're not getting results um, because we obviously don't know enough. So we're powerless. So those emotions can crop up. There's also a must be seen as box. And I think that this one was very um, real for me when I first started in business is that I wanted people to see me as um, happy. I wanted people to see me as successful. And I certainly had a must be seen box within my relationship and my friends that I had from school. And a lot of those, um, as I've mentioned, um, it went up the corporate ladder in employee positions up into very, very high um, profile positions. And I had split, you know, at sort of 23, 24 and gone into business. And so there was a period there of about 10 years where there was a lot of rivalry between us all as the must be seen as. And although it was unspoken, it was definitely felt within our emotions. And then within business, I had a whole group of people that also had the must be seen as box. And so what was important was to recognize that the only person that that was damaging was me. And as soon as I recognized the fact that, you know, my must be seen as box would sometimes be very, very positive and other times be very, very pessimistic. 
because I would ex over exaggerate sometimes some of the stresses that I had so that I must be seen as you know a bit of a martyr you know for powering on or character trait of, of doing what it was that I chose to do but it was all based on how others perceived me to be it wasn't authentic and um, I think that that can create the greatest amount of, of psychological stresses. You know, if somebody's dropping in, it's natural for us to clean our house and pretend like it's always clean. Um, that's certainly the way I grew up. It's certainly the way that I am now. If someone says, well, they're coming over in half an hour, quick kids up, everybody put everything away. Let's, you know, clear the benches and, and all that sort of stuff. So we give an impression that we're living in, in, in that type of an environment. When had they just popped in, it would have been, oh, okay, excuse the mess, um, this is the way we actually live. Are we proud of that? Who is it that we're actually being within our emotions? If somebody just drops in on your emotion and your self-talk, are you quite confident, are you quite happy with the self-talk that you have with yourself? And we need to then not see yourself as an object, but humanise who you are and connect with other people that can understand and listen to you based on your behavioural um, tendencies. And so knowing that I tended to have a lot more optimism and mixed with anger was a very dynamic personality but tended towards judgement of myself or judgement of others. And I needed to very clearly adapt to the, um, the fact that everybody else is just where they're at, doing as much as they can possibly do for who they are and they're enough just breathing and being alive. I needed to understand that that was the truth because once I accepted that for others, I was then able to accept that for myself. That I was enough, that I was doing as much as I possibly could with everything that I had, and that just the fact that I was you know, stepping out of my comfort zone on a daily basis to achieve more and to be more was my choice. And you know, I was doing that because that's what I felt that I wanted to do for me. And if other people agreed with that, and if other people got benefit from that, well, that is fabulous for them. But for me, it's about making sure that I'm on track with where I want to be, and making sure that I'm having that little bit of um, self-satisfaction that I am being authentic and true to myself, and making sure that that psychological stress then is decreased when people come to me with their own problems. I wait and I listen, and if they ask for help, then I'm able to step up and be able to help them because I've seen them as, as human. If I'm, I'm unable to help, but I have the desire to help, I don't go into self-justification by saying, well, they don't need help or I don't have time for help. I literally just say, look, I would love to help you, but this is my current situation. Can we work around that or is there anything that I can offer or perhaps you could go and see one of my teachers or one of my coaches? Um, and I still have the desire to help more people because I'm not trying to control them and I'm not trying to own them and I'm not trying to um, make sure that they're living from my space of authenticity. They must live from their space of authenticity. And if fear is their number one emotion, then that's the, f that's the emotion they need to master. If non-emotion is their emotion, then that's the emotion they need to master. If optimism is, then that's what they need to master. And if anger is, then that's what they need to master. But just recognise that not everyone is the same as you. And in your family, in your children, you'll start to recognise different emotions when they're um, experiencing a lot of psychological stress. Then it's up to you to be able to offer your help and support to get that person through there. But certainly under no circumstances should be you be taking that on. 
um, because there's certainly enough for you to deal with in this next week just for yourself. So I'm going to leave um, you with that information about emotions underneath the psychological stress and um, we're going to go through uh, next week in a, a little bit more tactics around um, how to actually deal um, with, with these things that are cropping up. So I think that it would be important to start having a look out for the people that you're working with. Um, what do you think they are? Do you think they're more outgoing or more reserved in nature? Um, do you think they're more people-oriented or more task-oriented? And just on a piece of paper, just start to um, write down all the people that you're connected with where you believe that they would be and so that you get an understanding that people are spread across these quadrants and that describes them, it doesn't define them. So it's important for you to then change your communication style if you're looking to get an outcome from that person to match them. So you don't go to a high D looking for a survey unless you want to get some advice and follow that advice. Alright, so it's very important that once we understand who, who we have around us within our team that we can react and respond based on their true authentic nature. So enjoy your week and I look forward to hearing all of your successes. Make sure that you send them through to us so that we can put them on the website. Take care.